welcome to WP Tonic, episode 39. Today we have a very special guest, and that guest was so special that he actually did two 30-minute episodes. In fact, we normally only program for one, but uh, our guest was very, very interesting. And if you want to learn about Facebook, make sure you're listening to this episode, 39 and 40. So now for our special guest, let's get into episode 39 and listen to John Loomer. John, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys, for having me. Jonathan, Jonathan, what are we going to talk to John about today? Oh, well, John Loomer is a bit of a legend in the social media world here. He's three-time winner of the top 10 bloggers on social media via Social Media Examiner. So, um, and he's Mr. Facebook. Uh, He talks about all things Facebook, the badness, the good, the bad, the ugly, the short, the medium, the long term. John's made it clear that he's the long player, not the short player. So really great to have you on the show, John. Oh, thank you so much. Do you go by Jonathan or John? Because I'm also a Jonathan, by the way. I think we I think we go by Jonathan today, because otherwise, it's a bit <laughs> I've got some other names for him. You want to hear him? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we won't go down here. We want to. You know, that was nice, Bill. I know. I know. He's English. Well, he's got an excuse. I've got some names for you, Bill, as well. Um, so, John. Um, so it's it's pretty obvious that. Uh, you know, something's kind of get you going. There's a certain newsfeed company that has recently got you going. So would you like to uh, share your thoughts about that? Well, first of all, uh, in general, I don't consider myself a, a marketer uh, naturally. I, I, I guess it just ended up being that way. I don't really like the industry of marketing or the, you know, or what's expected of marketers. And I think uh, overall, it's just sleazy and underhanded and deceptive, and I can't stand it. So that that's one of my issues. You, 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 haven't got, you haven't got strong feelings about it. I, I really do. I, <laughs> and this all, not, not to go way, way back, but this goes back, like my first job ever out, out of college. I had the worst job you could ever imagine, pretty close to it at least. It was a telemarketer. No one wants to be a telemarketer. But I, I, I was the, the worst telemarketer of all time because I hate to sell, especially to sell crap that nobody wants. So anyway, but, the, so there's this, uh, but one of the things that drives me crazy, though, about marketers is that uh, we, ch- we constantly, I say we, I like to say they, uh, constantly chase an algorithm as opposed to focusing on creating really good content that people want to read. Um, and I don't understand why it's so complicated, why we complicate things in that way, like, Oh, Facebook now makes it easier to reach people with a text update. So I got to make everything a text update as opposed to just thinking, you know, what what does my audience actually want to see and engage with? And so not to pick on this company you you mentioned, NewsWhip, um, they they just wrote a blog post or an article that that's that uh, and they they have what appears to be a pretty cool tool that kind of evaluates a lot of the, the top publishers and and what's getting shared most and all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, they saw this huge dip in shares. And they said, well, immediately, the, the, the issue must be Facebook has killed organic reach like, like we always heard they were going to do. And that's just killing all these companies and we're screwed. And then, oh, you know, if, if a little while later, Facebook reached out to them and said, oh, by the way, that, there was a bug, bug in our reporting. 
that was impacting uh, organic reach and uh, viral reach uh, specifically. And so this is what, what drives me nuts is that like the, the reach itself, we've seen this every year, at least once a year where there's a bug in the reporting. So that, that metric is something you can't verify. You have to take Facebook's word for it. So they can change the way they, they report it, which they have done. They can have a bug in the reporting. Um, or, you know, they could just decide out of the blue, your, your reach is 100 times higher and everybody's dancing in the street naked like it's something great. When it doesn't mean anything by itself. So that's what bothered me about that article was that they were reliant entirely, first of all, on shares. But shares also relies some faith in Facebook because Facebook will tell you how many shares you had and then you can click a link to see who shared it. But you can only verify those people who you can see uh, based on um, uh, privacy settings. So like the the example I found, like it was about 26% of those reported shares I could actually verify. Facebook, Facebook could, again, tell me I have way more shares or less and I couldn't, I just have to take their word for it. So point being, and all this, these are all publishers uh, that were sharing articles and the news have tried to come to the conclusion that we're, Facebook doesn't want us to share links, even though this is completely opposite of what we're seeing with links lately, um, and that they're killing reach and all this stuff without digging into whether traffic was down, because that's ultimately what's important with these shares. It's like whether or not Users are sharing or the reported shares are down. Is traffic down then from these posts? Uh, what are the website clicks? And that's what drove me crazy is that we're constantly focusing on these secondary, tertiary, or completely ir- irrelevant metrics as opposed to focusing on what really, really matters. And in this case, it would have been a website click. So that that's all. Yeah, I'll get your picture. Um I just want to ask you, um, uh, obviously, a question that's linked to that. Um, you're a small, medium business. Um, could have a physical entity or it could be an online entity or it could be a mixture of both. And you, you, you're, you've had some bad experiences of Facebook, but you decided that you're coming back. And um, this is a broad question, but if you know, there's many client, there's many businesses like that, and then looking and looking at Facebook. Are there any kind of key tips or advice, let's say a top three, about what you should do over a six month period that you know could start helping you with your business? Could I ask that? Yeah, well, I understand that Facebook's a spoke in the wheel. Um, so even though my focus outwardly is Facebook, that, that's not my home base. I don't run my business entirely through Facebook, just one portion of it. And I've got to have a website. Now, I, I know a lot here, like small business, mom and pop and all that stuff. Like, oh, we're just this little, you know, um, brick and mortar business. We don't need a website or we need, don't need to focus that much on a website. Understand. Things are changing. You're, you're not going to be able to get away with not having a website or a good website because more and more, not only are people online, but they're on their phones and that is how they're deciding whether or not they're going to your business. So you need to stand out there. So the pro- before you even worry about Facebook, 
make sure you have a, a website that actually does something is is mobile friendly. Um, but honestly, I believe the the one of the most important things about your website is actually offering something that's useful and helpful that that pertains to your target audience. Uh, the more traffic you get to your website, and I know it sounds backwards when I'm talking about Facebook, but trust me, the more traffic you get to Facebook, the more highly relevant people you can target on on Facebook. That, that just the more more traffic you get to your website. I think I just said Facebook. More traffic you get to your website, the more relevant people you can target on Facebook to either like your page, read your latest post, see what your big big uh, sale is today, or you know driving back to buy something. So um, if you want to get back into the Facebook, I, I, I think that first, though, your priority should be getting your online uh, image in, in order, being your website, email list, et cetera. Yeah, Jonathan, I, let, me, let me tell you, I really believe in what you just said. I, I, I think it's like I'm into the podcasting world, but a lot of podcasters don't realize. In fact, they get into podcasting for a year or two and they said, wow, I didn't build an email list <laughs> because I didn't have a good platform. And that's the hardest thing to do, of course, I think, is to, is, well, maybe it's not the hardest thing to do, but you got to get your platform in order before you can build your, that's your foundation. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I even think about my own business and it took, I, I look back and it seems like a small period of time now, but at the time it seemed ridiculous. I didn't start an email list for the six, first six months. Um, but even then it really wasn't, I mean, I've been on and off. Um, having a good lead generating uh, tool to to build my email list, and I'm I'm much more focused on that now. But you understand if you don't have number one a really good website that has good content in it that's going to attract people, if you don't have an email list, you are really handicapping yourself in terms of trying to do anything effective on Facebook. So you're on oh. Facebook, who are you going to target? Who are you going to target? Oh, based on this interest and that interest. Like, well, Facebook, yes, you know, the interests on Facebook are good and they're effective if you have nothing else. But ideally, you should be targeting somebody who visits your website, someone who's on your email list. There's nobody more relevant than those two groups of people. And if you're putting no effort into building either your website traffic or your email list, you're handicapping yourself. Yeah, um, I, I totally agree with you, but there's also like the startup community where you've mm. got. Um, see, I've got a startup um, that's actually in the in the social media area, um, mm. and we're going to be utilising Facebook and Twitter um, advertisement um, sure. to try and publicise. And now a lot of our target base doesn't know about us. So would you say that's a legitimate, you know, there's, there's a lot of new businesses that don't, um, they're looking to generate income, you know, cash flow yes. is king. If you're a business, cash flow is king, isn't it, John? So do you think you can utilize Facebook, you know, when you're a new business and you're trying to publicize and get people into yeah. So, so this is a challenge I hear about often is that, yeah, you have a new business. You don't – even though, yes, you're, you're investing in this website and everything else, you don't have any traffic yet. You don't have an email list yet. So, so what you do is um, in the early going, you are investing in, uh, in that though. So in the early going, you have to spend the majority of your budget targeting people who don't know who you are. 
But that doesn't mean just selling your stuff. It means driving them to your website to, to read something that's related to what you're doing and that, that appeals to your target audience. So, um, uh, you, again, you, your majority of your budget will go to people who don't know who you, who you are first. But as you drive more and more traffic, which includes ads, it's promoting just helpful content, not just stuff that's, that's uh, promoting your, your, your products. Um, over time, that website custom audience, those email lists will be growing. So you'll start shifting your budget more and more to these people who actually know who you are. And the, in, the effectiveness, therefore, will go up as well. Yeah, so you you think it is, but you know you got to get the other things correct as well, like you know content, the look of the site, what your what your offering is. But it Facebook can be a good mechanism, Facebook advertisement to drive people that wouldn't be aware of your new company, your new product. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to go on to um, the blessed Gary Venacek. Um, he, uh, bless his heart, uh, I always feel pumped. Uh, one thing about the guy mm-hmm. is I always feel I always feel I'm half dead when I watch him. Mm-hmm. He's, he's kind of at the intensity level that um, either he's on something or he came yeah. out, the, out the womb that way. Um, but he, he, he made a couple um, remarks. That one, um, he was talking about, you know, that everybody's kind of, it's probably finished now, but they're talking about dark posting uh, with Facebook. And I like if you could give a quick outline of what that concept is. And right, <laughs> I can tell Yeah, me. I mean, it's just, it, I think it's again something we overcomplicate and make it into like some uh, special sauce. Um, little magic voodoo that happens. It's got a good. It's got. It's got a good name though. Isn't yeah. it dark, it's like dark matter, isn't it? Yeah. Dark posting, isn't it? So, so all a dark post is is a post that never appears organically on your page. It's, it's just it's only an ad. It's dark, meaning it's unpublished, and so it only exists as an ad. Now, but why would you do that? Um, one of the main reasons would be uh, you want to split test. So. Uh, which which copy per- performs best? Which image performs best? Instead of publishing five posts that basically are the same thing in your, in, on your page, you maybe create one and then create four variations that are dark unpublished posts that that you run as ads um, and that, to compare what performs best. So there, there's really nothing magical about the dark post itself. Uh, it's just that you don't clutter the news feeds of, of your fans. With with uh, you know similar posts, um, and it's, it's just ads though that you're split testing. Yeah, thanks for that. You, you uh, I thought you'd be the guy to make a, a simple answer. Um, what's your? I, I get myself, and um, I've been grossly negligent, but um, also I hear from a few clients. It. What's your feelings about a small medium business and the balance between? using their personal profile rather than their business page because people say that they might be very well known socially in their area and they know a lot of people as themselves and as their business and then they've got this business page and they find it hard to get actual people to come to their business page and become a fan and you know putting stuff on their profile and plus 
putting stuff on their business page, they they struggle. Uh, what's, mm-hmm. what's your advice and feelings about what what are the boundaries between the two and what you would advise people around all that? Yeah, so this, it's something I struggled with three years ago. Um, I even I even wrote a post three years ago when I decided to create my my Facebook page, and I didn't I didn't create a Facebook page uh, immediately because I didn't see myself <laughs> as a bus, uh, as a business. I didn't see myself as a celebrity by any means. So I was like, why do I need a Facebook page? I can just use a profile and get following and all that kind of stuff. And it was is more you know seeing people who I saw as eventual peers, hopefully. It, uh, at that at that time, in Mari Smith, Amy Porterfield, that they split it up. They 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 were personal brands who had a, a, na- a profile, but also had business pages under the same name. Uh, the the one tweak I made to it is like I think it's confusing to have a profile and a page with the exact same name, like which is which. So that's what I added the digital. It was that's the only reason why I added digital to, yeah. to the name of my company. Uh, to, to separate the two. Now, how do you use those two? I mean, first of all, there is clear advantage to having a, a business page because of all the metrics you get, all, all the information you get that you don't have available to you on a profile. It's all, also all the advertising that you can do that you can't do within a profile. So in my mind, look, if you're not a serious business, stick with the profile. But I think most people are going to say, oh, I'm a serious business. Okay, well, then also have a page. You can have both. There are advantages to having the profile, too. I understand that. Um, like, I allow people to follow me on, on Facebook. I think you're going to be bored out of your mind following me on Facebook, uh, my <laughs> public stuff. But I use, face, I use my pro, personal profile to be the, it's like the more personal stuff. It's not necessarily related to uh, business is all I got because a lot of people know like listen to my podcast and things they know I'm a baseball coach and so I, I'll share a lot of that, that that stuff there and then um then my business page is more about business and so I, that's I just I that's where I draw the line it's not that I never share anything personal on my my page it's pretty rare um but that's that's how I draw the line how how others draw the lines up to them but in my mind you have to have the business page too if you want to have access to the metrics and you want to be able to advertise and do all those powerful things. Jonathan, let me follow up with uh, questions here. Yeah, sure. Bill. I, um, our business is we deal with real estate agents. We have small agency in California and Nevada and we're looking at, and, and there's a very, now you got different levels. You got the sort of the big mega, you just talked about it, people online across the nation, you know, building revenue, but then you go down to your community and city where your businesses are. And that business guy, most of them don't have that. Some do they don't understand that personal page, business page. But I'm pretty sure it's clear that uh, Facebook has first a rule that you're not supposed to really create your personal page as a business page. So right. my first question is, have you seen anyone thrown off? Oh, yeah. But my second question is, what advice would you give to that real estate agent who works for an agency? You know, small, a small little, you know, has a small farm of following. They look at about two or 300 houses. What do they do? How do they apply Facebook to their business? Yeah, so absolutely. There, there are profiles that typically what Facebook does is sends you a warning and says that you have to change your profile into a business page. Um, now, again, there, there, that doesn't mean that you know anyone who does anything with that's business related on the profile that's what that's going to happen. It's just you can't use your profile solely as a business, especially if 
you try to say your pro put, make your profile name under a business uh, make a pro, business name under a profile, which is exactly what Facebook's trying to prevent. Like if I I, I could probably I, and again I, I I don't know the the lines sometimes on this. I could probably you know just have my profile be John Loomer and talk about my stuff and whatnot on my profile and send links to my page, my, my site and stuff like that. And I don't think Facebook would care. It's the minute I like, I try to change it to John Loomer digital or, or something like that. That's tr- clearly a business that I'm trying to do under a profile that Facebook has a problem with. Um, now in terms of like a, a real estate agent, first of all, you, you should be um, using ads uh, but you're, you're the main thing that main, what is the main reason someone want to f- uh, follow a real estate agent? It would be they're considering selling, they're considering buying. Um, I think in particular where that, what you should uh, do in that case is be featuring houses. You know, what are, what are, the, what are the houses that are available in your market right now? And um, you can run ads in that case as well targeting people in the area. You could even target people based on the value of their current home. You could target people based on a lot of actually financial uh, things in terms of whether they own or rent, um, how old they are, you know, that kind of things where it might be a, a potential buyer in, in that price range that you're looking at. Um, and especially if you have a specific house that you're selling and you want to target people in the area who already own, or maybe let's say it's a starter home, right? I think that's a prime example. You got a starter home in the area. Let's target people who are of a certain age, 25 to 35, who are currently renting um, in this area. And then you could actually use copy along those lines like, hey, looking to buy your first house. Here's a great, great option for you in, in the area. Uh, I mean, there are lots of things you could do in the real estate. Yeah, I think I think as a follow-through question, it was a great question, Bill. Um is there a lot of people in the real estate industry and, you know, that you, you would have thought that really into sales, they don't actually utilize Facebook that well, do they, John? Yeah. No, they don't. They, they're, 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 it, it's quite shocking, really. Um, and it's interesting, isn't it? Do you think it's because of a mindset more than anything? Oh, man. I mean, I don't know what. All the reasons are, um, I think the bottom line is that like anything else, it takes work. How many websites are done well? Not many. Mine aren't. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, think, I think the problem is Facebook, people look at Facebook um, for some reason as something that they should be able to follow all these. Yeah, I, I, compare it to, you know, like all the black hat stuff with SEO and whatnot. But they look at Facebook as like, if I just do X, Y, and Z, I'll have success. And if not, if it doesn't work, then Facebook's broken. And um, the truth is, it takes a lot of work. And you can't just hop in and run ads for a month and make a whole bunch of money. Um, that's you know, like playing a short game, basically. But uh, so I think, I think that's the biggest misconception is that for, I think because Facebook is used for, on a personal level and how easy it is to communicate with friends and everything else, people just assume that same ease of use applies to a brand and making money on Facebook. But it takes a ton of work. Yeah, I was listening um, to a conversation with um, 
Brian Clark, and he was talking to oh, um, the guy that's um, the CEO of Sumon was marketing director, was one of the first 30 employees of Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were talking about, he was... No, no, you're talking about Noah? Yeah, Noah, yes, that's yeah. it. Um, I'm fearful to have him as a guest because I think we would, <laughs> we would have so many bleeps. Yes. We would have so many bleeps in the conversation that, that there, would, there would be no conversation, John. Um but he does know his stuff, I think. But he he's saying that you know he's found retargeting, um, using Facebook and retargeting as a, a really great mechanism, and it's got some great results. What's your feelings around that? It, it's it's it was a game changer when when uh, the ability to target your website visitors first started. I mean, it started out as just like a, something that was available in Facebook's API that you could use third parties to to do it. There was the old FBX thing. Um, and then when it came to actual, you know, the Facebook ads interface with website custom audiences, and so basically create any ad you normally would on Facebook, but target people who visit your website or target people who visit specific, specific pages of your website. I mean, the way I look at it, there is no more relevant person to target than the person who has already seen my stuff on my website. They know, I mean, they know who I am. They've expressed interest in my co- my content, my subject matter, my product, whatever it is, that is somebody I need to continually go after. So they don't need to subscribe to my stuff for me to me to know that they have that they know who I am, if they've read my stuff and they have an interest in Facebook ads. Whereas with with you know targeting by interest, there's a lot of guessing that goes on, a lot of fuzziness in terms of what makes somebody what how does Facebook determine somebody is interested in, in something. If you have been to my website, I know you have an interest in Facebook ads, period. So I can run an ad to promote, promote another blog post that's related to Facebook ads. I can run something about an ebook uh, about Facebook ads. And I know that you're a prime candidate to have interest in that. And I could sell a product. Then I know that you have, you're a prime candidate to, to, to buy it. So that made it so much easier to target uh, but it also made it that much more important for you to uh, drive traffic to your site so that you had a decent audience to target in the first place. Yeah, there, I, I see it as enormously. Um, it's one, you know, amongst the more professional marketers or people that, you know, um, getting taught, you know, that are prepared to invest the time. It, it, it must be a powerful tool, you know. Yeah. It must be. Um, get back to old Gary Vaynerchuk. He um, he was talking, he was responding to a question. Um, one thing I also feel he's, you know, obviously he, he runs a top social media agency in New York, so he's not short of resources. Um, but his, his utilisation of video on Facebook, I, I think, has been quite creative and interesting. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Now, there are a yeah. lot of people I look up to in terms of their use of video, and it's huge on Facebook. Now, uh, one reason, uh, as we're sitting here in my new office, one reason we built this new office uh, with this white wall back there yes. is so that I finally start <laughs> like have an environment where I can create video easily uh, so that there are no excuses. Because it's, it's a difficult thing. It's, but... Uh, Gary is someone who's not shy. 
Uh, so, that's how just typing, isn't it? And I, he, he's just someone like, turn on the video camera, let's go. And um, I'm somebody who like, I, I like, I don't, I, I'm not real comfortable with public speaking uh, and and doing the video. I feel like I, you know, it's got to look right. I'm, you know, my own worst critic and all that kind of stuff. So I have to have the right environment to do it. So it's hugely important, and it's it's definitely one of my priorities as well to start doing that this year. Yeah, do more. Um, of it. In one of his videos, he was responding to a question, and um, the question was, is is Facebook and Twitter, they included Facebook and Twitter in this, um, become too competitive, and it's really only an area now for the big bigger guys. And they said, should, should people that are kind of bootstrapping their business or look at other social media um, platforms like Meerkat or Snapchat um, or Instagram, um, look at that and the kind of return, you know, you haven't, and Gary's response was that, you know, you, you haven't got a big budget. All you really got is a lot of time. Um, t- so you can you can work on it until three o'clock in the morning, and you probably should look at these other platforms. Mm-hmm. And his argument, in a way, was that um, it's becoming a bit too expensive, Facebook and Twitter. And I don't totally agree with that. And I just wanted to see what your your thoughts were about that kind of statement. I mean, first of all, get in where you fit in. So it doesn't mean it has to be Facebook. It could be Instagram. It could be Meerkat or something else, you know, whatever. You should definitely still create something on Facebook. I mean, I even think about my own business. Granted, lots of things have changed since I started my business. But, I mean, I created my, you know, my profile, my, my Facebook page, my Twitter account, my YouTube and all that stuff. And I didn't really know what I was going to do. Well, to find out what John Loomer is going to do, make sure you tune in next week, same time, same location. Actually, I want to tell you something secret. We're supposed to get these up on Saturday night. It's Sunday night. Went to a wedding in San Francisco for about three days. So, slipped a day. But you know what? That's what it is. It's podcasting. But uh, we'll do your best. And next week, you will have John up on Saturday Night Late. In fact, we could call this the Saturday Night Late Show for podcasting. Hmm. Well, anyway, take care. Thank you for listening in. Have a great week. Hey, I'm going to put a commercial on it since this is the end of the show. Uh, you thought we're all done. Well, the commercial is, first of all, for WP Tonic. Of course, listen in. And for Jonathan Denwood, if you need that $10,000 website, which he can produce for you, one of those high-end websites, he just picked up a university, so that's good. He's a, he's a sharp guy, knows his stuff. Strongly recommend him. He also has a great SaaS product starting to develop. If you're in the real estate industry, it's available right now. And just go over to mail-right.com. Great lead generation. And finally, a little plug for myself. I have, if you go to Timelines of Success, or better yet, go to newmediagold.com. That's newmediagold.com. You want to start learning about WordPress, get it going. We have a quick program and get you up, train you, help you start really fast. We can also show you how to throw in a little bit of podcasting and some other media. So take care. Again, that was a commercial. End of the show. You know, we got to pay this uh, expensive podcast broadcast system. One and a two and a three, four, five.
This is the way that we make podcasts. We make podcasts. We make podcasts. This is the way that we make podcasts. All this is the way that we make podcasts. We make. Uh, 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 u